0: All right, everybody. It is Wednesday night, August 3rd, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, DJ. I cannot believe that in a few short weeks, this year is going to be three-quarters of the way over. Uh, this year's just flown by. There's been so much going on, not only in life, but in the world of professional wrestling. I'm uh, going to go around the room here. It's a three-man show tonight. Back to the three-man format. I'm going to introduce my co-host first from the Rob the Genius podcast. The Minister of Truth himself, Mr. Rob, sir, how's your night? Good, good to be back. Awesome, glad to have you. And last but certainly never least, Bucky's tag team partner, a man who is bound to go through a barbershop window at some point in time or another, Jason, how are you?
1: I'm wonderful, my friends. How are we doing today?
0: We, I, I'm i going to be honest with you, I, today was a much better day than yesterday. Yesterday, the shit at work just hit the fan and i had like three people call out on my team alone and that's really about half my team so uh we ended up running about an hour almost an hour and a half behind all day it was miserable we were so freaking
1: busy don't you love that when you just know when you at one point at some point though when you get to a point where you're like okay i'm an hour and a half behind on what everything i'm gonna do at that point i just Throw up my hands and, um, what's that, uh, when Matt, I think I've talked about this before, when Matt McConaughey, the movie where it's trapped on Mars. And oh, yeah, back, yeah, yeah. At the very, very end, he's tre- teaching a NASA survival class. Matt, Matt Damon, not, Matt Damon not, not, McConaughey. Not, not, not McConaughey. Big yeah, difference.
2: Wrong, wrong
0: Matt,
1: yeah. <laughs> Matt, but Matt. The other Matt. Well, yeah. no, because Matthew is Matthew. His, no, his mother named him Matthew. Matthew. So oh, correct. Matt. Correct. Anyway, Matt Damon is teaching the survival class, and he goes at one point everything's gonna go wrong, and it's all gonna go go to shit, and you just have to figure it out, and you just go okay, solve this problem, then the next problem, then the next problem, and that's just kind of where if you well once you let the day take you over. So I hope you didn't do that and let it drive you nuts.
0: No, it, it did at first, but then eventually because me when I go into work mode, I'm like a machine. I just I, I you know, put my nose to the grind and I just go, 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 so it was just patient after patient after patient after patient and it finally just reached the point I'm like okay on to the next I can only do one person at a time and you call them back and they've got the looks on their faces like oh you guys are yes we're running behind let's go. So <laughs> <You're> <laughs> you just get in. Not gonna, you're not going to catch up so right. just get done. Right. And I'm not going to put over the fact that we're running behind okay. So but luckily, everybody was fairly cool. And the key to it, and I told my administrator this today, we were talking about things. I said, yeah, yesterday sucks. I said, but I tell you what, I gave the same I gave the same kindness and energy and smile to the last person I was with that I did the first person I was with of the day. And I think that made the difference because there were there were some people that were probably really super pissed, but you wouldn't know.
1: That's awesome.
0: So, And, and you, a- you just can't look in and say, hey, sorry, we're short-staffed. So, you know, because that doesn't really build a whole lot of confidence in a in a, in a medical well, facility. That's not their problem, man. Right. Yeah. It's not their problem whatsoever. They're there to, uh, to have their eyes checked, and you need to get on it, pal. So, yeah, it, uh, approach the last person the same way you approach the first person, and, you know, just hope for the best. Because when it falls apart, it all hits the fan. There you go, man. So... So we're going to open up the show here uh, this week. I'm going to let Rob and Jason – actually, Rob, why don't you lead us off here tonight?
2: Okay. So um, this past Sunday, uh, we got some unfortunate news in that one uh, Mr. Bill Russell uh, passed away. And so Bill is, you know, of course, he was damn near mayor of Boston up there, wasn't he, Jason, Uh, or –
1: Oh, that man would the uh, mayor is is putting it so far below what he was beloved sport. Sport a hero isn't even the right word. The guy, the guy's an icon. Was an icon. Um, yeah,
2: and, and um, so now I, none of us actually saw Bill Russell play when he was playing for the Celtics. Uh, but me, my experience with him was uh, you know, the late John Thompson, who was basketball coach at Georgetown played with bill for a couple of years with the celtics
0: and mm-hmm.
2: john had a radio show in dc for a good 10 plus years and so he would he would have bill on sometimes as a guest and just listen awesome. and just and they just talked like they just talked to his friends on the radio it's just like two friends talking on the radio and mm-hmm. and it was just so great because they would just talk about how it was back then you know they talked about red back both of them just revered red Hourback, and you'd learn a lot about him just listening to them talk about him. and um yeah. uh, and it was it was just a rare thing because you, you don't you know because you, you know athletes do radio interviews it's a few minutes and they get you know either it's a friendly and they don't really say anything or it's either, it's either that or somebody trying to antagonize them right one or the other and here it was just two old guys talking as friends, two guys who played together, and of course they had different playing careers, of course. But and then you know Thompson looked up to Russell, and they even one time they had a great conversation about role models, and you know and you know Bill was like you know look, yeah you I know, look I was I was doing my job, and you know I wasn't really trying to be a role model for anybody, you know I, you know I mean looking up to me you could probably do a lot better, right and. You know, and then Thompson said, well, look, you know, I chose to look up to you. So, hey, <laughs> that's how it goes. Sometimes
0: uh, those humble people are the ones you should be looking up to, the people that aren't asking for the job.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and, and well, I and think it John- says an important note, because I wanted to bring this up and it's a perfect time, is one of he was. Uh, Mr. Russell was a incredible basketball player, but he was also a an important civil rights leader and many other things in that regard um and to to speak to his humility and understand that at the time he was one of the biggest athletes on the planet and he was invited to the uh dr king's i have a dream speech and he was invited to sit on the stage but he decided to um uh, he to humbly put the took uh said no, and said, no, some other people need to be up there. I don't need to be part of, I just am here to support Dr. King and blah, blah, blah. So he was never a self-aggrandizing individual throughout his entire life.
2: Yeah, and um, I guess the other thing I remember about um, when Muhammad Ali you know, said he wasn't going to Vietnam they he had like, a press conference and a bunch like, I mean, Russell was there and Kareem, like uh, Jim Brown, you know, a, a lot of prominent black athletes and you know Russell was a big part of that and he was also um part of the labor movement in basketball um he helped organize like basically a boycott of the all-star game so that the union could get recognized
1: yeah he's he's the he's one of the reasons they have a union now
2: yeah so I mean he was a big deal in every facet of everything and you know on and off the court and even as part of his job doing the labor stuff i mean he was just a big deal in every way humanly possible
1: mm-hmm. yeah and he lived through a lot cuz i mean um, unfortunately <coughs> boston was a it was and probably still is we get a pretty bad reputation as a racist city yeah. i think it's i think it's more true than it isn't unfortunately even now um but also as a footnote there i'd say well, Bill Russell was part of the first all-black starting five in in the NBA when there was kind of an unwritten rule that, yeah, you can have four four black guys out there, but let's make sure that there's a white starter every time. Uh, <laughs> and so Red Auerbach and Red Arbach and Bill Russell kind of went, you know, f that, and we're putting the best players on the court. And there you have it. He was also the first black coach in the in in the NBA when he was a player coach in his last season. I mean, so he, yes, uh, Boston has a complicated history with racism, and unfortunately, a lot of that, you know, impacted Mr. Russell in a negative way. You know, he had his home vandalized, he, people were defecating on his walls, like awful, awful, inhumane shit that we cannot even imagine nowadays. Well, maybe we can, but it's kind of sad, too. No, but.
0: It's, it's still out there,
1: unfortunately. Yeah. But, um,. But, yeah, he he was just an incredibly humble and amazing individual. And that's to say nothing of the things in sports. And I, I think it's true. Adam Silver, the commissioner, of the commissioner of the NBA, called him the greatest winner in the history of team sports. And I think that's true. I mean, he played 13 years in the NBA. He won 11 NBA championships. Sure, you can say he was playing against, you know, postmen and, you know, electricians and stuff like that. But they were mailmen and electricians because the NBA wasn't pay- paying millions of dollars anymore. Well, yet. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. It, I mean, just look at some of the the stats. Hang on. He has his award- – just if you look up his Wikipedia, it's absolutely insane because he's an 11-time NBA champion, a five-time NBA all-star – excuse me, a five-time MB- MVP. He's way more than that as all-star. He's a 12-time NBA all-star. Uh and just, his numbers retired, Lifetime Achievements Awards, all those awards you would expect. Oh, by the way, Barack Obama presented him with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, and there's, he changed the way the game was played. He changed it into a vertical game. Everyone wanted to do the fast break, do, you know, pace and space. And, well, before that was even a thing. And he, he and Red basically invented the fast break there's just you could you could go on and on and on about an, What an icon and what a hero this guy is. So the world truly lost a giant um, in more ways than one on Sunday.
0: All right. Well, we want to say on here from the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, uh, Bill Russell, rest in peace. Thank you for your contributions not only to you know the NBA but to just. Society, being a good human yes. being, yes, you know, being a, a good athlete, being a good human being. The the world needs more human beings, and we lost a good one this weekend. You so, know, want to take a couple of minutes to put a couple of couple of things over. One, I want to thank the guys <laughs> at the Dwi Podcast. Uh, Dwi Podcast is another. Uh, fellow podcast here, part of the Chairshot Radio Network, uh, can be found on the Chairshot.com. They had me on last Friday night, and I had an absolute blast hanging out with PC Tunney, AJ, and Chris Platt. Uh, we talked some SummerSlam, gave our predictions, we did a little bit of trivia, and the guys actually got me to watch Seinfeld. Uh, I guess they're in the middle of like a uh, some Seinfeld. One of the guys is watching like Seinfeld all the way through, and. Uh, Tony gave me a, uh, it's like, I need you to watch uh, episode seven of season three or something like that. It was the cafe. I, I officially, that episode was more Seinfeld than I think I've ever watched in my life. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big Jerry Seinfeld <clears throat> fan. I remember, Rob, I don't know if you remember back in the day. Remember when Dangerfields was on HBO?
2: Uh, vaguely.
0: Yeah, Danger, Roddy Dangerfield had a little comedy special on on hbo and he was from Dangerfields, his comedy club and he would have four five six comedians on every show and they'd get maybe 10 15 minutes i saw roseanne Barr on there saw sam kinison on there a uh, bunch of people who you'd never heard of before were on there and one night they had uh, they had him on there and i was like this guy sucks he was the worst comedian of the night so <laughs> when, when jerry seinfeld had his own tv show my first thought was this, uh, this guy sucks. I ain't watching this. And then like three years later, it's the biggest show on TV. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? So I, I just was never a big Seinfeld fan, but I watched the episode, had a bit of fun with those guys. Just want to thank PC Tunney for Invite Me On. Thank Chris Platt and AJ for just having an absolute blast. Again, you can find that on the Chairshot.com. <laughs> it's the DWI podcast. I believe they, it's either SummerSlam or they named it The Cafe, which was the name of the Seinfeld episode other thing i want to talk about is last week's episode um we had a blast on here we had jace and in all the episodes we've done minus a couple little things here and there it's probably one of the most fun times i've had doing an episode with you guys in the, at least the year and a half almost two years we've been doing this together had a, a great talk on you know mine and jason and jason's uh, beard care routine jason went on an absolutely epic cm punk <laughs> rant that he he admitted self-admittedly hey. blacked out doesn't remember any I, of it i
1: he didn't remember any of it until he listened to it back no nope, sure don't and um, i was like all right well and i want i want an asterisk on that i took one mr phil brooks to task 100 percent deserved the guy's a jerk he's never going to change and i say he's never going to change because go back So the premiere episode, when when he showed up on Rampage, and, oh, the rumors are starting, the rumors are starting, you know, in the couple weeks beforehand. And then he finally, yep, CM Punk is all elite. Go back and listen to that show. Listen to the yards and yards of rope I gave that dude. I was like, you know what? This is it. Fresh start. I am gonna. We're we're all gonna start over. He, you know what? He has a lot of issues and whatnot, but I think we're we're he's really come to terms with it. And you know, he's fair to feel feel how he feels about the company and Vince and whoever and blah 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 blah. And and let's you know what? Let's give him a shot here. And then he lasted what? Two a month, months. Two months month tops. Where all of a sudden, well, over there they do all the shitty stuff, and over there
0: they're not taking <laughs> people, and over there.
1: And and it, it was just, just hasn't stopped. Bitter old fucking Phil, who never got his WrestleMania main event. Nope. Sorry, buddy. I nope. could I could probably spend ten
0: to fifteen minutes going down the reasons why I don't like that guy, why I think he's wrong on certain aspects of things that he's spoken out of. We're not going to give him any more air on this time on this. Yeah. What 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 we decide? Once a quarter. I. Yeah, once a quarter.
1: Once I, a quarter, I, we I, talk I, about Phil Brooks. Phil, I wanted to believe. And you let me down as you met let millions of people down again. Anyway. Yeah. So
0: anyway, like I said, that was last week's episode. Again, you can find that on thechairshot.com. Go back and listen to it. Extremely proud of that episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun and always enjoy having Jace on here. He's a blast. He's a good brother. He's a good guy. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to having him on again sometime here in the near future. But... Coming out of this weekend, I think there's only one thing that we really, really, really need to talk about, and that is SummerSlam. The, oh, the first—oh, what we, did we before, have? Something else? I'm sorry. Did I skip before, over something? Because uh, whenever
2: we talk about Mr. Brooks, we always oh. have to remember one thing. That's, we, always, we always need to mention one thing.
1: Oh, that's right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. You're right, Rob. And he uh, swore under oath, under pain pain of on, perjury— No, day. I know where Rob is going with this,
0: and it ain't that.
2: Okay. Remember, Remember, <laughs> everybody— Psycho Sid, two WrestleMania main events, CM Punk Zero.
0: (laughs) Anyway, this past weekend was the first post-Vince McMahon premium live event with SummerSlam. Uh, I'm going to lead off by saying it was absolutely incredible. Uh, First official premium live event with Triple H at the creative helm and Stephanie McMahon at the helm of the company. I will say um, there was definitely still some... Uh, Vince McMahon fingerprints all over this thing um, So while I, I, I Want to give people their flowers because I thought the event was absolutely incredible I thought the pacing was good I thought the matches were excellent um, But there were still some little Things that you know you could just Kind of see okay This isn't completely devoid of Vince Let's just go around the room here real quick Just a general sense of the
1: show Jason what were your thoughts <sighs> Whoa, wow. It was, the show, like, everything you just said, the pacing was excellent. The the match, everything flowed really well. The matches were all really good. I'm looking at the card here, and I'm trying to think if there was one match that I was even like, eh, whatever. But no, they were all really, really good. Great storytelling. Um, everybody felt like, it felt like there was a lot of meat on the bone. With a lot, in just in terms of like, not this isn't just a good match. This is a good story. Or this is a good start of a good story. Right. Um. Except maybe except, Lashley. In theory, there wasn't really much there, but there's a lot there because Bob's the WWE uh, United States Champion, and Theory's Mister Money in the Bank. So that was just kind of a lot of things happening at once. Uh, but yeah, and then yeah, I'd still think isn't the tractor Vince? Yes. Know. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to and, we'll and get to not, that because there's a lot to talk about with that main event. Right, um, and obviously, that's all I want to talk about, But I will put over uh, one uh, b- my favorite match aside from the main event was Bianca versus Becky, because that was just Mwah. Yes. They, they they did it if, if you I know we're doing general feel of the show, but it was just one of the it was easily one of the best big fours that I remember yeah in a long we'll, we'll time hit the high spots guy. we're not going to go match by match over the whole thing
0: we're going to hit the high spots tonight kind yeah. of to keep it short and tight but uh yeah absolutely we're going to talk about that one rob how about yourself sir
2: oh uh, that was a great show and now of course the main event was just this big spectacular thing the opener was excellent
1: um
2: you know the stuff in between well i think you know the stuff in between was mostly good Uh, I'm not necessarily going to go back and rewatch all of those over and over. Um, But they were all, you know, they were good. They were all very good matches. Uh, And yeah, I think there's a lot more events in this show than people want to admit. The main event in particular. And I dare say, even most of the other stuff. Um, Like the, the only thing for sure that was Hunter was the you know the thing with bailey and eo and dakota that right. that's him and that's been reported that that was you know that that you know that vince said no to that um so that's that's him but mo well, yeah i mean but it was it was an excellent show and i always say look if well going forward you won't be able to say this anymore but what i've always said was that if you you know if you've ever liked anything about WWE programming, if there's everything anything you ever thought was great about WWE programming, it was either thought of or approved by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And, um, so for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call this his last show. Um, because I mean, he, you know, I mean, look, he, he re- re- quote unquote retired two weeks before the show. Right. So,
0: his fingerprints were all over that. Yeah.
2: I mean, they, look, they booked most yeah. of this under they, his eye. So, um this was his last show um and this was a great way you know circumstances notwithstanding (laughs) oh i I had to
0: hesitate from saying vince's dna
1: is all over this given the given the circumstances that's why i went with fingerprints
2: yeah
1: um i know i already already snuck ahead and did this but uh, to back up that point again you don't just snap your fingers and a five-ton tractor with brock lesnar's logos on the scoop yeah, just yeah. appear out of nowhere in two weeks. Right. Yeah. out so, so, not even two weeks, guys.
0: Eight days. <laughs> w- he, he has not been retired, too. He didn't make the announcement, but it'll be two weeks ago this coming Friday.
2: Okay. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so,
1: eight days. Yeah. So, this was. By the way, design the ring so that it doesn't immediately fall apart and it actually lifts up off the air. Uh, yeah. Please yeah.
2: stop. So, I'll say that this. This was Vince's last show. And this was as good a show you could possibly put together to go out on.
0: All right. So let's start with the opening match. Uh, Raw women's champion Bianca Belair versus challenger Becky Lynch. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Becky Lynch's descent into madness just has been compelling television. And just to watch her go as a character from steampunk Becky Lynch into cyberpunk Becky Lynch – has just been an incredible journey. Her descent into madness from losing the championship, from not being able to regain it, from you know just being derailed at every possible turn has been incredible. And these two girls just have fantastic chemistry. Like, they, they can't miss... And I've said this before. Bianca Belair has yet to have a bad match. Becky has had great matches with great opponents. There are some people she just doesn't have very good chemistry with. And the matches just didn't come out very well. Her and Bianca Belair tear the house down every time they bring out the best in each other. And they did this Saturday night, guys. I, I, When I look at their trilogy of matches from WrestleMania to WrestleMania Backlash to SummerSlam, WrestleMania Backlash is still my favorite. I think this one might actually top WrestleMania for being my second favorite. Jason, what do you think? Uh,
1: I thought it was the. You don't believe WWE can do long-term storytelling anymore, guys? Well, they just did it in a year. So, um I know how mad everyone was about the, you know, the 27 seconds thing, and I understand the other issues around it, but they got to the finish line. This was the finish line and they got there, and not only was it transformative for Bianca, in giving her a real statement like that was her you know that was Roman beating Brock Lesnar that was that was getting a real monkey off her back and then it was also a year-long story for Becky where she got to come back be a giant jerk be a giant heel get worse and worse and worse and slowly go crazier and crazier and crazier and then suddenly you know through the magic of wrestling Return to the light side and be like, you know what? I was being a giant asshole. I really should take a look at myself and look inwards and credit where it is due. Because too often WWE has started a story with some sort of controversy or some sort of thing that kind of gets too close to real world issues and things like that. And they don't finish it. And they or they go sideways or they go in a different direction. No, they, were, they they, got this story going. They got it all the way down to the end of the field. They got it at the one-yard line, and God damn it, they called running back a QB sink, and they went right in. They punched it in. They
0: punched, they it, punched in. it in. And, man. and they got me with the hug at the end, man, like WWE yeah. always does. When you're watching, like going for the handshake, going for the handshake, and then they hugged it out, and I'm just like, okay, man tears. Yep. I'm, I'm, man I'm, tears. It was awesome. Every time they get me with that crap.
1: This is a cool jumping-off point for even if, you know, the injury notwithstanding. But now when she comes back, she'll be even hotter. So either this was going to be a propel Becky to be the face on probably a different show. Or now it's just going to propel her further in her comeback. Because now, okay, we know now she's probably going to come back, you know, a hero again. And now she's coming back from an injury. You know, it's just going to... You know, sneaky kind of worked out. Not that I'm rooting for injury and all the all that good stuff. But yeah, just just picturesque. You can't ask for anything better.
2: Rob, your thoughts, sir? Well, nice to see her not be a sore loser for once.
1: Oh, come on.
0: Hey. Why you gotta be like that? Hey, no, 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 no.
2: She oh, lost- here he goes, here he goes, okay. here he comes. Here go Okay. It's what four years ago she lost fair and square. And she was a sore loser. Okay, so it's so it's nice to know that she finally learned her lesson and isn't a sore loser anymore. Okay, uh, only took four years.
1: Rob, when you work a shoot, sometimes you work yourself into a shoot, brother.
2: Well, she was a sore loser four years ago. Okay,
0: he's and- never letting that go, Jason.
2: Well, well, I'm sorry, if you get beat fair and square and then you attack the person <laughs> who beat you, what is that? <laughs> what
1: is that? What is that would be Rob, the, it's what's still that? real to me, damn it. What is that? I was going to say, player? Rob, of all people, what was the first thing your dad said to you about this stupid stuff?
2: Okay, and I'm saying that in, I said, it it in four years, she finally learned not to be a sore loser. How about that? <laughs> so
1: anyone within the sound of this podcast please please try to enjoy i'm not even going to tell you to try to enjoy like professional wrestling or even wwe find one character one person that you will just work yourself into a shoot over find that person i've got roman reigns rob's got charlotte flair and uh dj has seth rollins he we will just you know what no matter what happens no matter what fiction you think it's trying to be displayed through that script? No, we're always going to be on the side of the Angels, and that the side of the Angels is always with our guy. Well, uh, but she was a sore loser. If you can do that, I promise you will enjoy this thing we call professional
2: wrestling. She was a sore loser four years ago. Oh,
0: okay. my God. Okay, so what did you think about the match from four days ago, Rob? I ain't talking good. about four years ago. That was ancient history. We weren't even a podcast back then.
2: It, it was very good. Good job, <laughs> ladies. Great job. <laughs>
0: Good job, ladies. Great job.
2: <laughs> and again, nice to see her not be a sort loser. Um, so so, that, so that, that's your lesson, kids. Okay. When when you get beat fair and square in a match at SummerSlam, you should shake your opponent's hand and you should and then you should leave it there. You should not attack them after the bell.
0: Okay. I'm gonna remember that the next time the queen attacks somebody, buddy. She doesn't no, she she doesn't she doesn't attack people after
2: the bell. What? No, she does what? not. No. She does not attack people. She Boy, there's some revisionist history so, going on here tonight, my bell. friend. Not after the bell. No, she will attack you in the hallway. Uh, so, oh, that's, that's better. better. Okay. That's way better. Okay. okay. <laughs> but she will not attack you after the bell.
0: Okay. <laughs> Rob's okay with attacking you backstage while you're handcuffed in a squad car, and she throws a knee into your face. He's okay with that, but he draws the line at shaking hands and jumping somebody in the middle of the ring. That's Rob's moral ground.
2: Because look, when the match is over, it's supposed
1: to be over. You're supposed to. I will say, Rob, you're consistent because I don't believe Roman Reigns has attacked anyone after the bell unless they were related to him. Because uh, I believe that happened a couple of times. He uh, no, just runs them over with golf carts. But to be fair, that was in the middle but, of a yeah. match. Exactly. Or he sends his cousins to, you know, beat your ass. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, all all, wow. yeah. Kudos to
0: those ladies. Absolutely awesome match. Uh, and it was fun. To, it was a great kickoff.
1: Great kickoff uh, Kickoff match for the pay-per-view. Perfect feel-good moment. for Depending yep. on how you would feel about the... The end of the match, the end of—unless you're a crazy, crazy, diehard Roman Reigns fan, this was not a, like, feel-good end of the show. It was just more of a, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. We got there. They did the thing. They did the
0: thing the right way. And then the surprise at the end of the match was a returning Bayley, but the surprises kept coming. We got Bayley— who comes out, confronts, you know, at ringside, confronts Bianca Belair, and Bianca's like, okay, you know, this is the thing. And then Dakota Kai's music hits. Dakota Kai was just released, what, 90 days ago, something like that? Not even? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, we said on this podcast last week, we this is one of the, one of the things where we got to eat a little bit of crow on, but I'm going to be fair here. Uh, we said last week on the show that, you know, with Triple H taking over creative – the, the, the fan masturbation over who he was going to bring back, who's been released in the last year and a half, had already started within minutes of Vince actually announcing his retirement. And we said on this podcast that Triple H was not going to hire back all of your favorites. And I stand by that. However, Saturday night, we did get a returning Dakota Kai, something I'm very excited for. Um, we questioned on this podcast if there was actually a home for Dakota Kai on the main roster, um, and that's still yet to be determined. But I think bringing her in with Bailey is a good start uh, for, you know, because as much as people don't like to admit it, yes, the people who know like Dakota Kai. But if you're outside of the NXT bubble, you have no clue who Dakota Kai is. Uh, teaming her up with Bailey is a great way to introduce her. And then after that, the surprises kept coming even more. Uh, this is one where, where where one Dave Meltzer needs to take a huge L. He reported a couple weeks back that he was pretty sure that Io Shirai was probably not going to re-sign a contract. She was going to head back to Japan. We got Io Shirai under the name, I guess she's going by Io Sky now, <clears throat> which is a neat play on her moniker of the genius of the sky. I thought that was actually pretty clever. You know, people complain about the name changes all the time. I'm here for Io Sky. I think it's cool as shit. Um So we got EO Sky coming out, and it looks like she's in a, you know, Bailey has formed a faction with these three girls. They all came out. They all confronted uh, Bianca. Uh, Becky stood up next to in solidarity with Bianca. Obviously, we know where that's going with Becky supposedly being injured. But it's nice to see that, and it it was rumored on the net that this was something Triple H had pitched a while back that Vince shot down, which probably was one of the things that led to Dakota being released. But long story short, I'm excited to see where this goes. And taking a bit of a sidetrack, they really showcased a lot of that on Monday night on Raw. You know, with what with what they're doing with these girls.
2: Yeah, and this is one uh, I you know, this is definitely a thing where you gotta give Hunter credit yeah.
1: because this is this is his Dude.
2: thing. Vince Vince, you know, Vince reportedly shot it down. Um so this is Hunter's baby. And and look our look my prognosis for both EO and Dakota from a few months ago w- was under Vince McMahon being in charge. I you know I just did not think Vince was going to find much of a place for Dakota on the main roster. And I thought that EO was going to be one of those people that Vince just didn't get. Um so I didn't yeah I'm in And then, you know, of course, then there were the quote unquote reports about her wanting to go back home, Um, which I'll say this. I don't look at Eo's not going to be here 10 years. Um, You know, you know, uh, she'll have a good run in there, but I think she is going to want to go back home. Right. Because so I would not call I would not expect her to be 10 years here. Um, You know, maybe she does. you know, like the three-year contract or whatever and goes home or whatever. But at least she's going to get a run here. Um, And I will say I do trust Hunter more handling her and Dakota than Vince.
0: I I think Hunter truly believes in women's wrestling. And that, I think, is going to be one of the biggest glaring differences from the Vince McMahon regime moving into the Triple H regime. I, I think I truly believe, and if I'm wrong, somebody will correct me, I truly believe that Hunter believes in women's wrestling and and in the and in it being a draw.
1: I mean, all you have to do is look at that raw. Watch that yeah. raw again and tell me and okay, I know we're skipping ahead here but but this ties in. So I know we said like not everything's going to change overnight, guys. You know, a couple of weeks ago when or last week when the big change took place and Hunter's now in charge. Um but, yeah, and I still believe that it's it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I saw a lot of people watch that raw, and they just go, "Oh, it's the same. Dude. I don't believe anything strange. you know okay, I don't know because if you watch that show and you see how much time they spent both on the mid card championship and how much look at how much time we'll call them we'll call them control because that's what Bailey uh, tweeted after uh, she formed that little faction. Uh, So we'll call them Control. Control was in literally the entire show. Every 15 minutes, they were, like, ambushing someone, or they were back in the ring, or they were ambushing someone else, or they were talking to, you know, whatever her name is. Like, and it was all throughout the show. And then there was that beautiful presentation about the the United States Championship. Um, Granted, you don't have the the top champ on the show. So the mid-card champ's going to move up a little bit. But I still feel if you looked at that show, if you're a person who watches this stuff like we do, you know, 52 weeks a year for the last five years, and you didn't get a just a general sense that something was different after watching that show, I don't know how. Because just the whole flow of the show, the pacing, and just how many damn women I saw on that show was markedly different. And I am all for it. And that is very much a Triple
0: H fingerprint. It is. In contrast to what we've seen in the past. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, because, well, basically they they were in, I'm looking at it here, they were in like four different parts of the show. They attacked Becky, they did a promo... They ran in on Asuka versus Alexa. And then EO had to match against Bianca. And then there was a big brawl there. So they, they were in four different parts of the show. And there was a continuous narrative through, you know, from through their whole time there. Um, and it was actually one, like, flowing narrative. Because I think am trying to think of the last time you really had something like that where
0: the last time that I can remember where it flowed, where there was narrative from eight o'clock to 11 o'clock was the last time the Hurt Business was a real full-time thing.
2: Yeah, and um, now yep. there were a couple of times, well, I think, oh, um, the last September. I was, it,
1: say, I was gonna say it was the last time the Shield was a thing, but yeah, you're right. It was the Hurt Business.
2: Yeah, and because well, then, then they, they did a couple of things with E last year. Where it, well they they don't do it consistently. They no. did it a few times last year. like when when E was champion and then he and you know Woods and Kofi got into it with the bloodline, and then they had a match later in the show. um, and then the night e cashed in same thing. Um, mm-hmm. so it's it's sporadic. It doesn't have, but there are a lot of weeks where raw is just a collection of less than a chat a collection of set pieces where it's like, okay, these people have a match then they, they have their match and then they do whatever angle and then they, they're done. And then these people have a promo and then these next little people over here have a promo and then you have another match. And it's just like, just a collection of set pieces, a lot of weeks and when and nothing like kind of fits together or anything like that. Um, this past Monday, again, like all the stuff with daily and Bianca and Becky, that all had a narrative and, you know, going in like a linear direction. The U.S. title stuff did also, um, and even you know, and they put the Usos and the Mysterios at the end because with that, you know, I think well they knew that everybody was suspecting, you know, everybody's kept saying well somebody's gonna turn, somebody's gonna turn, somebody's gonna turn, and by putting that match at the end, you know, you that built up anticipation for was somebody gonna turn and nobody did turn. Which I mean, which I, y'all got to give up on the Mysterio turn-in, folks, because Ray's not gonna be no heel, and Dominic ain't a good enough actor to to, to pull that off. Okay, Um
0: y'all. No disrespect, they need to send Dom down to NXT for a few months. Yeah, it's, like it's, I, uh, I'm trying to like the guy. Yeah. I really am. Like mm. I, I really, I've given him every like breathing opportunity. They got to send him down to developmental, man. I realize he's a legend's kid, you know, and Rey Mysterio is a bona fide legend. It's his kid. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be enough of a parent to look at your kid and say, look, you need to go down and cook a little bit. It's okay. And sometimes it's tough love. Yeah. I-
1: and I
0: think if he does, he'll be fine. He'll be he'll the do- better for it. Yeah. He There's there's a diamond in the rough with Rey or with uh, Dominic Mysterio. There absolutely is. But it's, it's, he's not going to get it following Ray on the main roster. He needs to get away from Ray. He needs to work with some other people. He needs, he needs some time in development. Yeah.
2: yeah, I just think, yeah, to me, and not to play psycho, you know, analysis here, but it almost feels to me like he doesn't, he isn't the one that really wants him to be there to me. I mean, it kind of feels like his dad wanted him to do it. And he's like, and he's, I and mean, he's like, he didn't have anything better to do.
0: Well, it's either this or I'm going to be a greeter at Costco. Let me see what I can do here.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you you got a foot in the door, you got to give it a try. Hello, uh, yeah. one Joseph Anoa, uh yeah. But Ben, I was about to say about that too. If you know, Alpha's kid and uh, you know Ric Flair's kid can go through developmental. Ray Mysterio's kid can go through developmental too. That
0: right there, 100%.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. And um, and Dwayne Johnson's kid is going through developmental right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, I yeah,
0: mean, there
2: you go. I mean... So, let,
0: if let me anyone, grab, let me grab want the ahead. wheel here and steer us back to Saturday night because we drifted into Monday night's lane. Um, let's move on from the main event, or not the main event. I call it the main event because probably from a pure wrestling standpoint, it was my favorite match of the night with Bianca and Becky. Let's move. We need to have a chat, serious chat about one Logan Paul. Now... Prior to to WrestleMania, if you'd asked me if I was at least even remotely interested in Logan Paul, I would have said, hell fucking no. Like, he doesn't sell me a ticket. From everything that I've seen about the guy, everything I've heard about the guy, nothing about me was excited for Logan Paul. And then I saw him at WrestleMania, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I raised an eyebrow. And then I saw him Saturday night, and and I'm going to go ahead and jump on that train. this kid's got it. Like he's got just, and I'm not talking about his his work, his value outside of the ring. I'm talking about inside the ring. This kid has picked it up. He is a natural for this. And granted, he was in there with the Miz, and the Miz, you know, is notorious for carrying people and making them look good. But for his part, Logan Paul looked incredible on Saturday night. Rob, your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Um. So he did the thing at WrestleMania. And, look, you can, you know, kind of finagle your way through one match, right? That's like, you know, some people... Well, especially
0: a tag team match.
2: Yeah, and, like, a lot of times people in radio say that, well, everybody can do one good radio show. You know, the key is coming back and doing it five days a week. Um, So, yeah, and... Yeah, so, like I said, you can can finagle your way through one match. This was... And this was a singles match. And now, you know, look, they... They made sure they took care of him. You know, they had Champa do some stuff. They had Maurice do some stuff, and thank God for Maurice. Sorry, there's um, <laughs> one. Okay, yeah, but, I was um, gonna
1: say the I believe the official line of this podcast, the official statement or whatever position of this podcast is Ms. One.
2: Yeah, but anyway, okay. I'm not, but so they did that, and then AJ Styles ran Champa off. So they they did enough of that. So, uh, guys.
0: Ooh. I'm still here, Rob. Okay.
2: Oh, I lost Jason. Okay. Jason. No, you
0: stepped out for a sec. No, I'm okay. still here. I okay. stepped out. Sorry. Sorry.
2: So they they did enough, do little extracurricular things so that he wasn't left hanging. Because, as you know, look, as talented as he is and as clearly as he is picking this stuff up really well, uh, I'm looking at the, how long was the match? Because, okay, it was... Fourteen minutes and fifteen seconds. Okay, so they did they did enough extra stuff so that he wasn't just hanging out there for fourteen minutes trying to have a singles match, right? Um,
0: yep.
2: And which is exactly what you should do. That's not a knock on him, by the way. You you you're supposed to lay out the matches so that people don't look bad. Um, or so that people yeah, don't look inapp. Especially,
1: especially for a dude in his what third second match, second official match.
2: match. Yeah. 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 And, so he did, he did a great job. And the guy's clearly an athlete. Um, did a damn frog splash out to the table for crying out loud.
0: That was incredible, uh, man. Because if you watch that real close, that dude like adjusted slightly in midair to yeah. go out there and hit that without absolutely killing the miss.
2: And so if you've got any questions about him wanting to be there, that is not a move
0: that you do if you're just there to pick up a check. <laughs> okay. Right. And that's one thing that I definitely appreciate about Logan Paul. He gives a shit. Like, he respects it enough to go out there and not look like crap. And like I said on the DWI podcast, that's always a concern with me, with these celebrity appearances. Obviously, they're trying to promote their next big thing, whether it be a movie, a TV show, a podcast, whatever they're doing. They're out there trying to build their brand. And while obviously this is what Logan Paul's doing, he's adding to his brand recognition through WWE. He's also – they're getting something on the back end from that, and we can talk about that in a minute. But yeah. he gives a shit enough about the actual in-ring work to not go out there and look like crap. He's taken the training seriously. His timing was good in just about everything he did. He was where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there. He listened to The Miz. You know, I'm sure The Miz called that whole match. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he listened yeah. to him. He was where he was supposed to be. Nothing but respect for that performance Saturday night, man. Jason, what do you think?
1: Uh, I thought he had one of the coolest phenomenal forearms i've I've seen. Um, that was awesome. yeah. Uh, yeah, the dude, like he in real life, like i I don't hate the guy, but like i I probably like sports hate him or celebrity hate him or whatever. But yeah, he's uh, unlike one Mr. Phil Brooks, he hasn't given me a reason to to you know turn on him yet. So, hey, man. He obviously gives a shit, like you guys have been saying, because I don't care how many crash pads you put down there. I I'd better be getting paid for getting put through a table, you know, or I, or I don't know, man. He obviously cares. So, yeah, give me more Logan Paul. I think this is fun. I think it's hilarious. So yeah. let's keep going. I, I, and just the fact that it makes all those people mad that he's out there, you know, uh, again, as someone who was brought here Brought to this stupid stuff by Stephen Amell Also giving a shit uh, Suck it It's awesome
0: Let me say something to the people Because I was one of those people that didn't give a shit about Logan Paul Let me explain something How this is going to work for you people Who shit on WWE Logan Paul has approximately 24 million 24 million social media Engagements That's in followers, people that follow him People that engage, people that watch his stuff Some of those people are going to bleed over into WWE. Fact. It's going to happen. He's going to bring in those people. Some of those people are going to catch wind of your favorite wrestling product, and they might, by default, tune in and watch your favorite wrestling product. So shut up about the Logan Paul thing. He's going to benefit the business as a whole because he's going to bring in, even if he brings in 25 percent, of 25 million people if he brings in 10 percent of 24 million people think about those numbers and think about what those numbers will mean for wwe think about what they could potentially mean for aew ring of honor as it stands impact mlw and so on and so forth trickle down economics
1: from logan paul yeah and hello hi hi case case well you guys are too but we're all case studies in how this shit works yeah and if so, so i would argue that you know logan paul right now has damn way more reach than stephen amell ever did no offense stephen and i don't know want to compare him to mr t at the time but you know this you is big, yeah. M- mr t was white
0: hot yeah it was, he it was, was that dude was over like a million bucks and the fact, not only with the Rocky Three tie-in and everything, but Mr. T was just a cool dude. Yeah, he and just it, was. He was a cool dude.
2: And um, yeah. and he was he was doing other movies.
1: It's least, he was doing. It's equivalent at least because while Logan Paul's not doing you know that movies and things like that, Mr. T wasn't doing social media. Right.
2: And um, so look, you, you can draw a straight line from look Mr. T at the first WrestleMania, to Mike Tyson at WrestleMania fourteen. Cause I know, look, even WWE tries to get all revisions history about that. Like, you know, it was Steve Austin and Vince McMahon catching fire, and da 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 da. Them paying Mike Tyson to be at WrestleMania fourteen was as much as bigger thing as any of that other stuff. They were well, getting, just having
0: him and Austin get physical and, on Raw that night.
2: Yes, and was it was huge. They got mainstream and, press coverage for that, and all the way through WrestleMania, and that got. A boatload of attention on them that was not on them and that was as big a part that was as important and as anything else um so this could very well be the 2022 version of that
1: and stop saying it's you know oh it's you know great for wwe because steven amell said one day i'm going to be on raw and here we are six yards years later and orange cassidy is one of my favorite wrestlers
2: and Stephen, and he even turned it into. I watched the first season of Heels, and that was, was pretty it. good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if 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 you want a f- fictional, if you want a fictional show about a fictional show about a fictional sport, <laughs> that, Heels yeah. is it.
0: I haven't tuned into that one. I tried um, watching that. That what was that one he did? Uh, Sense Eight or what was that movie he did with Robbie Amell? Uh, Sense Eight since eight I I man I got about 25 minutes into it I'm like I can't it's just right. not it's just not hooking me man I don't know if yeah. you've watched it but it's nah, not hooking it, me
2: but um heels put it, I mean it it shows a good respect it show you can watch that show and see that he respects the business
0: and, and I appreciate that yeah so all right so moving on to let's go into another match that again was a hell of a lot better than it had any reason to be Pat McAfee and my favorite, Baron Corbin. Man, just this to me was the happy, sports entertainment match of Corbin. the night. Happy Corbin, Baron Corbin. He's Corbin yeah. Corbin. Yeah. Corbin Bernson. I'd, uh, Corbin <laughs> Dallas. How many Corbins do we have? Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Yeah, a lot of fun, man. Pat McAfee, again, Any, he's better than any. He has any right to be. And again, respects the hell out of the business. So glad that between him and Logan Paul, those were probably two of the best signings. WWE has done
1: in the last two years.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and oh, good. Sorry, dude.
1: I, I'm sorry to get right into the match, but I popped to the moon for that modified Panama sun, Sunrise.
0: One hundred percent. I yeah. was like, this <laughs>
1: motherfucker. He should, have, he should have stood up, turned to the camera, and gone, "Padme!" <laughs> He should have been. That would have been awesome.
0: That's uh, long term. That's long term storytelling, pal. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and um, because he got the he got that got the three count, didn't it? He he, yeah, he it, did. It. That was yeah. the finish. Yeah. So that that was perfect. Um, because and I listened to a little, a little of him talking about it Monday. Um, he. he he didn't realize there was going to be that damn humid outside. That's why he was, like, slipping on the ropes and stuff.
0: Um, oh, yeah, dude. I, I had to, like, pucker up when he hit the top rope and he was going for that dive. And all of oh, a sudden, yeah. he started to lose his balance. I'm going to tell you, it was a pucker factor of 10. Yeah. I,
1: thought pa- I thought Pat was going to crash and burn, pal. Yeah. It, 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 it had already started because there was one spot. Uh, Bianca and Becky did the the sunset flip into the – um. Into the KOD, the finish of that match. Yeah, they they were on the turnbuckle. They did the sunset, but like when they were setting up for that, they were like, "Uh, uh, their feet were because it was already so humid out. The ropes were probably already soaked. I was just like, oh man, that was a thing all night.
2: So yeah, and he said
1: it was two of the best ever. Do it, we're currently anyway.
2: Yeah, and um, so he yeah, and he was talking about that Monday, and he said he he didn't, you know, he didn't. Realized that was going to be a thing, and he didn't account for that at all.
0: <laughs> uh, side note on that Bianca Becky match: that um, Spanish Fly that Bianca hit on Becky. Usually, a- I'm used to seeing that. There's two times where I like I pop for the move anyway. I think it's cool, but when you hit it from the top rope, you've got a lot more room to make that flip. They did that shit from the second rope and it, it was absolutely flawless it was incredible the only person i've seen do it better is when cedric alexander hits it on somebody coming off the ropes Ooh, so, but yeah I, side road there i wanted to pop for that
1: i meant to talk about it in the beginning yeah. of the segment and just completely forgot well
2: so Sorry, bianca. I,
1: apologize. I apologize as well because i was calling it a sunset flip yeah it was a spanish fly into spanish the fly
2: yeah so the, bianca learned by watching the best because you know she did it first
1: oh she did it
0: from the top rope though and then she's like six and a half feet tall so it gives you a couple extra inches. Hey. work the move over bianca's like at half the distance hit it and made it look just as good well oh, yeah i'm just i'm just kidding i kid i kid I <laughs> dude kid. i'm busting your balls you know that you know oh, yeah, that
2: yeah. okay <laughs> but anyway um yeah so look yeah. pat did great and oh, i was scared at one book because he almost landed on the head one of those things. oh you know? yeah
0: when he went for that dive, when he was kind of stumbling on the top rope there because of the humidity yeah. and losing his balance, yeah, man, it was—he almost took a took a header.
2: Yeah. So those of y'all who always complain when a certain woman wrestler does the moonsault to the outside and always lands on her feet, there's a reason why she does that.
0: She doesn't want to die or paralyze nice. herself.
2: Okay. Nice. Just had to get that in there.
0: So, That's- so let, let's guys, let's get into that main event. Cause there, there's just so much good shit to unpack from that, and I'm just gonna say, hands down, from an overall standpoint, not only from an entertainment standpoint, but from a just a just a rugged big fight feel, this might actually be match of the year for me. Like, I, I, and yeah. I'm 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 only slightly hesitant in saying that because again, Bianca and Becky from WrestleMania Backlash. Sat at the top of the list until Saturday night.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was my match of the year. I mean, just because of what it meant for my guy and everything. But right. it, the, the, it was, you want sports entertainment, brother? We will give you sports entertainment. And by the way, we'll give you some good old-fashioned wrestling on the way there. Oh, yeah. It was violent. It was sports entertaining. It was just bare
0: knuckles. It was just good. Like, just beyond... And a hell of a lot more than I expected. They went. What was it? Does, do any of you have the time on that one pulled up? Because uh, yes, it yes. feels like they went thirty minutes, although I know they didn't. Uh, it was it was the longest match of the. It time. was the longest match of the night. That exactly. much I knew. Twenty three minutes. Twenty, exactly. Twenty three minutes exactly. I you know I didn't expect them to go more than twelve to fifteen. Um, just because their last matches haven't. I think I said on air here and on the DWI podcast. I don't think they got what they wanted out of the WrestleMania match. I legit believe Roman may have may have knocked himself pretty hard and they called an audible in that match. By God, they threw it all out there on Saturday night,
1: man.
2: Yeah. And yeah, now um, I
1: 100 percent think he was hurt. He was hurt at Mania.
2: And um, because I mean, the question was, well, OK, well, what are they going to do different this time? All right, because even though, I mean, he was last man standing, but it still was like, okay, well, we've seen this. Um, and understand, and the other thing is, this, booking this match itself wasn't audible, because this, was this was supposed to be Randy Orton. And, you know, he got injured. So...
1: Cody Rhodes is probably supposed to be Mr. Money in the Bank, too.
2: Yeah, so this was supposed to be Randy Orton, and... So they they had to, you know, this was kind of the in case of emergency, break glass. And and good on them for realizing that, okay, we have to do something different here. And we, you know, we need to turn this up to, we had found some way to crank this up to another level. So that people just aren't saying, eh, I'm rooming again. Right. Um, and so they did that.
0: Can, can I cut you off for just a sec, Robin? Yeah. I'll let you finish your thought. For those of you that, oh, Brock and Roman again, go back and pay attention to the matches. When I think back at the matches just off the top of my head that Brock and Roman have had, each one of them has been decidedly different. Go back to, what was it, WrestleMania 31? Yeah. WrestleMania 31, they had that match. And then you you, you fast forward to the, and I, I, my timeline is all jacked up, but you go to the, um, the one where Roman had the <laughs> Crimson Mask. Again, decidedly, very different match Then when Roman finally beats him You go to their match at Crown Jewel You go to the cage match that they had a couple of years ago You go to Wrestlemania of this year And then you get to this match You're looking at, what, seven or eight different, Decidedly different matches I would love for them to put out A compilation Blu-ray or DVD Of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar matches Because I promise you, you go back and you watch them objectively Every single one of them is different
2: yeah. Well, because
1: from... it's funny because that one, the SummerSlam match, Roman unlocked the cheat code to beat to beating Brock, and that's the pattern that the next like two guys who used to beat Brock, Seth and um, Drew, used. Oh, you just Goldberg him and you spam your finisher, because it was just Superman punch, Superman punch, spear, spear, Superman punch, outside, inside, spear. We're out of here. And the and Seth and Drew did the exact same thing. So, the genius of Roman Reigns. Yeah,
2: and now for me, um, this one finally, to me, matched the one from 31. Because none of the other ones, and look, I love Roman almost, almost as much as Jason does. Um, for me, none of the matches after 31 ha- had measured up to it. Um, 34, damn sure, didn't. Um, it's the, the SummerSlam one where you felt honestly, it just felt like a relief to me, not even a joyous occasion. Um, and then this year at WrestleMania, same thing. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine, but you know, I, other than just the ending where Paul was telling them like, get up, this is for your family, get up, you know, that, that part I thought well, was really good, but I mean, otherwise I thought it was just fine. um, for me, this was the one where they finally matched 31 and, and, and they did it from jump when, you know, when Brock comes out there, he walks out there and then he says, Oh, hold up. And he puts the vest on and the hat on and he gets in the damn tractor. And then he you know gets in the, in the shovel part of the tractor and, and, and does his own introduction. And, and of course the, the, the tossing of the mic scene around the world and, you know, and, um, And then he jumps off of the damn shovel and they just get right into it. Um, So all of that. And then, you know, and then forklifting the ring that, you know, that was just that may be the spot of all time. Like nothing is ever going to top that. Because, you know, um, ever.
0: No, we'll we'll be talking about that for decades. Even I showed that to Tina, who really never watches this stuff. And her first words were, holy shit. Yeah. Like, um, and, and that's that's the kind of stuff that will get people to watch. And that's what WWE does better than anyone.
2: Yeah, that, that's Mick Foley getting thrown off
1: the it, cell. Um, well, it's also, <clears throat> excuse me. It also just establishes that this is a video game. This is, you know, Tekken. This is Mortal Kombat. Because really, Roman just fell down and rolled a little bit. Because he rolled down a ramp basically and then fell onto the floor but the nuances
0: in the storytelling because if you watch as soon as he starts to lift that ring roman reaches with every like his life depended on it he's reaching for that corner turnbuckle and the ropes and then the world just falls out from underneath him and he sells
1: it as if if i fall out of this ring i'm going to die i'm gonna die yeah. And he sells it beautifully, but just if you process it in your head, like you're like, okay, it really wasn't that. But it's wrestling. It's a it's a video game. It's theater. And the same thing with the whole scoop thing. When he when Roman gets tossed into the the scoop and you know Brock pulls it up and then right before he drops it, he's also lowering it. Yeah. So Roman it, it's only,
0: like a three foot fall into the ring
1: in <laughs> in reality, but it's like falling off the top turnbuckle. But yes. Yeah. Imagery of it and the theater of it that sells it, and that's yeah. just what's what makes this the greatest sport in the world, aside from basketball. But
2: yeah, and um, and so all of that because yeah, I mean they had to find a way to turn it up to the next level, and that was it. And then of course you know theory running out there and just getting murdered, <laughs> which is what we were all calling, I think,
0: that's what we were all hoping for. I said that on the DWI podcast. They asked me my prediction. I said one way or another, theory ends up in an F five. And they're like, "Oh, so you think Brock is going to win?" I'm like, "No, nah, I don't think Brock's going to win. I just think Theory's going to end up in an F five, and that's exactly what happened on on Saturday night."
2: Yeah, and yeah. Um, and then of course Jimmy and Jay come out there; they get involved, and that was perfect when when Brock when Brock did the F five, and then and right afterwards they called him with the double super king.
1: Yep.
2: Um, that yeah, um, and then
1: and so was, for one time the money in the bank briefcase helped roman out
0: yeah so all right i i'm not sure you guys go on
2: okay um so for me uh for me this is match of the year because this was everything of pro wrestling you know this was the peak or the epitome of pro wrestling um from you know the the violence and all to the ridiculousness of it all um and to me that's what this was this this captured all the parts of pro wrestling or a pro wrestling match better than probably anything i've ever seen and so was it the you know of course it wasn't the best you know work rate match or whatever but um for everything they were trying to do for it to put stuff to just You will just remember without having to see it. Just um, that image of the forklift lifting up in the ring is again. That's going to get replayed over and over again. That that's you know Mick Foley getting tossed off the top of the cell by the Undertaker through the table. It's that type of thing. Um, And I mean, I I was
1: I was just showing you the background on my phone is literally Roman standing atop the. Mountain of gear that they had tossed on top of Brock, and yeah, Brock and then, screaming in pain, and Roman is just sitting there throwing up the one. That yeah. was awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. and to, then to uh, quote
0: Vincent Kennedy McMahon, they only ever remember the finish.
2: Right. Yeah, and then uh, um, yeah, you know, sorry. then Mike, Michael Cole saying, "Count faster, damn it!" <laughs> Michael <laughs> Cole was incredible. God's
0: sake, count faster. Yeah, Brock, that, just stay down.
1: Yeah. yeah it
2: was and, amazing and of course i mean they piled all the stuff on top of brock and you know that finally prevented and he he finally couldn't get up from that you know but you know some people when they get a pile of chairs don't throw them in the last woman standing match, managed, oh, managed to hit, to break free and, and come
0: up oh but, god yeah yeah she just <laughs> she rose up like a phoenix from the ashes yes yes and to co- to conquer oh god no, that, um,
2: look, I'm, look, I'm having to, look, look no, 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 no. guys. I didn't get, no, no. I didn't, get, I did not get one reference in last week at all. No, yeah. we did. We missed. Out. This was like a, this was like a thing. Like Rob didn't get one queen reference in last week. I did not get one in last week. I didn't, and I didn't even try to get one in last week. Okay. No, you didn't. No, so man, I, come to so think
0: look, of it, I, so I owe you so, guys. I, I,
2: he's making up I'm for lost not.
0: time, Jason. <laughs>
1: oh, thank okay. God. Uh, so I want to highlight the moment. That uh, before Brock got buried, uh, that Paul and he had when he F five Paul through the table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul jumps in front of him, and God bless uh, Maddie, uh, Madeline Lenore. I hope I'm saying her last name right uh, on Twitter, and uh, she is a good friend of the show. She transcribed everything he said in our little group chat. So he Brock stands in front of Roman, who's you know down on one knee, or I believe he might be being counted out. Um, and Brock's, you know, glowering over him like a beast, and Paul finally's had enough, gets in front of Brock and says, you know, 20 years, Brock, and this is how it ends. That's my tribal chief. I depend on income from him to feed my children. I've known him his entire life. I love him. You want the belts so bad? And he picks up the belts, and it shoves them into Brock's chest, and he says, here, take them. Take them and go, but leave him alone now. And then Brock, you know, drops the belts, picks him up, Fs, fives him. But I'm just like, that, between that, um, the long history that the, you know, obviously Brock and Roman have on their own, it's, it was just, and everything Rob said about how it was just sports entertainment, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's yeah. every reason why we really watch. Exactly.
0: It Part really is.
2: And the, and the thing with Paul, by the way, um, cause I said this on Twitter that night, um, he, you know, he he he's gone all those years since since Brock came back. I don't think he's taken a bump in no. ten years, and
1: uh, so, uh, he took a Superman punch from Roman.
2: Okay, uh, but um, he didn't. Oh
1: my God, that's not a you know you literally you you can let Roman barely graze you and you fall down.
2: Right, but nothing like that, and right. to the point. The point the thing I said then was that you know by not taking any bumps all those for 10 years, you know, when you finally take one, yeah. it, it matters.
0: It adds uh, to the story. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so if he was out there getting beat up every week, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't have had the same effect. But I mean, this time he took it, he took it through a table and,
0: right.
2: you know, when, when they, when they carried him out there at the end, I, I don't think that was a work. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and that's some classic heel stuff. Like Rob, you think of all the things about Jim Cornette that we hated back in the day. How often we want somebody to get hands on that Weasley little bitch? and every week that Weasley little bitch would escape with his life. Yeah. And they would drag it out forever, and then he would finally somebody would get hands on him. Yeah. And it. You just you pop to the moon. Again, like Rob says, that loses importance if it happens on a weekly basis. And people just don't understand that these days.
2: Yeah, because I like, can like with Cornet, I remember the, um they, they did some mixed tags with him and the Midnight Express different teams with Baby Doll. And yeah. earlier that year, and this was I mean, he rammed his tennis racket handle into Baby Doll's stomach and he was getting death threats. He had to wear Kevlar to the arena. Um and so they had these matches, and then the like the big spot in the match, Baby Doll would run across the ring and just drag him into the ring and just start beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and but it was in, like you said, he always escaped. He always escaped. You know, Dusty and Magnum, that they would have their they would have their hands on him, and then the Midnight Express would come pull him away. And then so this time, you know, she would find she finally got her hands on him, and it meant so much. So this is the same thing, you know, Paul ten years without taking any serious bumps with brock or with roman and so here in this is what's supposed to be the last match between these two guys is when he finally take one takes one and it matters
0: and paul went to the shadow realm with it man he was great but yes. yes. like he didn't move a muscle for like 20 minutes it was yeah. awesome <laughs> all right so all in all man summerslam was awesome it was a good time and these uh there were certain aspects of it that i think are a good turning point for wwe the 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 main event was definitely a statement moving forward this is a okay this is what we have to offer this is where we're going now we've got your attention let's see where we go with it monday night raw this past week was a great move in in whatever direction they're planning on making Really excited for the future of WWE. Uh, Rob is going to take over here a minute for with some uh, some facts and figures and some numbers uh, as it relates to SummerSlam and everything coming out of that. I'm going to turn the show over to the deacon of data, the father of facts and figures, the minister of truth, Rob Bonnet. Sir, the show is yours.
2: All right. So you said this was a turning point, and that is 100% true because basically... Well the, they had started to really kind of hit a bit of a doldrum here. Um and I'm looking at like the traffic numbers basically. The the T V ratings weren't there wasn't any they weren't bad, but they were kinda they weren't you know, they weren't great either, but they, they weren't terrible. But the They've
0: gotten to stagnate, especially for Raw.
2: Yeah, and now but the but what happened like the past during July, the um the, the traffic numbers particularly on Raw, went, they went completely in the crapper. I mean, they, I mean, they fell off just terrible to the point. I mean, even good old reliable stuff like, you know, like the last week they had a thing with Brock and theory, and that didn't get a million views. Brock always gets a million views, and so does Roman. Um, and so the last couple of weeks, everything had just cratered from that standpoint. And so honestly, what I think what was going on was, um, they'd been going with a lot of the same people doing the same stuff for a while and, and then SmackDown had already gone into the crater because now for different reasons, SmackDown, there were just, SmackDown is an accumulation of absences. All right. Um, you no, know, you have no Naomi, no Sasha, no Charlotte. Roman's 50 50. Ronda's been 50 50 since Backlash. Um, so you have a cumulative effect of like none of those people being there, or only being there half the time. Um, you know, Brock was only there a few times also. And so SmackDown had gone in the crater and Raw had gone in the crater for traffic numbers in July. So they very much needed something to spark that and turn that around. And if you're wondering why youtube traffic numbers are important one they make money off of them and the other thing it's a gauge what it is it, the tv ratings are basically the people who come every week and they if they go high past a certain point it's because something happened that gets people interested like we shoot like when you know when the stuff with vince or you know or the john cena thing right or if you or if you know Roman's gonna be on Raw this week, right? Stuff like that will push the number up. But for the most part, Raw and SmackDown are the people who are there every week. Um, so when you're looking at like traffic numbers, like YouTube view numbers or whatever, that that's more of a measure of like the kind of extra, right? The like that's that's a measure because the YouTube numbers are basically it's people who don't watch the T V. And people who do watch the TV and but come back for a second helping of a match or a segment or something. And so that's where that is. That's that's your kind of extra on top of the TV audience. And that had basically just gone down the tubes uh, the last couple of weeks before SummerSlam. And so they needed something. And I mean, and that's a measure of energy, to be honest with you, because when when the overall energy is low, people kind of gravitate towards who their favorite people are and they might watch them or they might watch one of their matches or something, but they're not watching, they're not watching the TV segments. Right? Um. So it just things, things were kind of, they were, they were on a downward slope really, uh, let, you know, on Monday night. And then they'd been on a downward slope on Fridays Fridays. So they needed something to kind of kickstart things there. And this did it um, because I'm looking at stuff from this past Monday, and it's moving a lot faster than the last couple of weeks. Um, so this this definitely helped. Um,
0: well, this it past hard. week's RAW, the first hour topped 2.4 million viewers. When's the last time they even went over two million for RAW,
2: Rob? Uh well they they have. A couple of times this year, uh, okay, and it, but it's usually Roman being there, yeah. Uh, um, or it or it's kind of a bump you get after a pay per view, but which is
0: what some of this probably was.
2: Oh, it's a combination of things. It's it's the normal pay per view bump. It's but there also but there's increased interest coming off of SummerSlam and what happened at SummerSlam for this, and also you know there's also the increased interest just from Hunter being in charge.
0: Yeah, the Vince effect.
2: So. And I think I said this earlier today, but it wouldn't surprise me if Vince strategically planned the retirement because to do it two weeks before SummerSlam to just to kind of charge up the energy a little bit, you know, because people were, you know, uh, talking about it a bit more Yeah, with Hunter being in charge. Um, and also it took the Vince stories out of the news because once he's gone, you he don't care anymore. Let's be honest. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if he strategically chose that date to do it. Um, And now, so now we're this week, we're coming off, you know, um, right now, the the thing with the, the ending segment of the show for Monday with Edge coming out there to confront fight the judgment day. That's over a million views already.
0: Okay. And we're 48 hours in.
2: Yeah, and um, yeah. so there's your sign right there that did something, ma- because that, that had not happened on Raw. Um, Raw from last week, we're looking... I mean, nothing got to main million views, and, and there was another one from, you know, earlier the month, same thing. Um, and it, it, in fact, yeah, there were a couple of shows where there were two episodes of Raw where nothing got even to past 900. It was in, within a week. So it's not, I mean... Definitely an upturn here. It was needed, um, so summer from that standpoint, SummerSlam did its job, and now also the fact that you have you have new things going on because it looks as great as everything was with Becky and Bianca. Becky and Bianca had been on TV interacting for a year, so those last couple of months, I mean, people would obviously you would look at the segment, you would see the caption, you know, Becky and Bianca do blah blah blah. And you're like, oh, you go then again, okay, I'll skip this one right um there, there was some of that going on for sure yeah. um you know bobby had been getting into stuff with theory for the past couple of months people you know after you see that for a while you bypass it because you've seen it um you know there are other things that you know well once you've seen it it's like okay don't need to watch that again so you got new stuff going on you had big buzz coming out of SummerSlam. slam edge w- w- you know the thing with judgment day I think I mentioned this before, um, there's a big spike when they do when something big happens, and then they all, always kind of level off. Well, edge coming back is another big spike, so that that matters. And so now, of course, you know the, the big trick, of course, is what happens next week. But
0: so, so as was right- get ready to say, is it sustainable? The general consensus from my timeline was that this week's raw. For the first time in a while, felt like can't miss, must see TV. Like there was genuinely a feel of okay, I want to sit here because I want to know what they're going to do next. And maybe that was the pacing of the show. Maybe that was the linear storytelling of the show. Maybe some of that. It was just a combination, perfect storm of many things. But yeah, there was a, a really good buzz on my timeline coming out of uh, coming out of RAW this week.
2: Yeah. So now, of course, the the trick is to maintain that because. And now, other thing is that you know, there's going to come a point where what's new becomes routine. Right. Right. So in about a month or two, you know, Bailey's group is going to have, they're going to have had multiple matches with either Bianca or Oscar or Alexa, and they'll gotten into a bunch of fights, you know, over, you know, and all of that. Yeah. So it's August now. So in September, you know, the quick, the, the question is in September or October, you know, are people still going to be as in tune to that after they've seen it a bunch of times right probably not
0: uh, it's the law of diminishing returns
2: yeah but you can um well it, it all but it depends on how you work it though Well, so you can that's, fashion it up
0: They're correct yeah
2: yeah um so you because like the stuff with roman and brock right i mean we've seen that a million times but uh, they can still pop a big number together when they when they do something together you still get a huge number um now that now this time, going up to, ironically going up to SummerSlam, they were not together on any show. It was always Brock on one show or Roman on one show. They were never in the same place. But the last time they were in the same place was on SmackDown, and in, that did over six million views. So, you can, but it's just so it's just a question you now. But they're off to a great start. They already they already have more combined views from this week's episode after just short of 48 hours they have more combined views from this week's episode than they had in a week from last week's episode gotten seven days um so they are off to a very good start here and you know the the key of course is maintaining and but so far so good and it again this stuff matters because it's a measure of kind of excess or extra interest on top of the people who watch every week, and and again they make money off of views, so it matters. It's not the yeah. end all be all, of course, but it matters, and you can see when the views are going up, and they're still maintaining like the same kind of. Uh, they're still they haven't just because usually after a couple of days, as far as the rate, you know, the, which they get more views, after a couple of days you usually hit a wall. Right, and then
0: that's YouTube, Jim. That's YouTube in general. Like being an old school YouTuber, the majority of your views came in the first forty-eight hours. After that, it was just residual and trickle down and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, but not like with raw. Usually, there's a point later on in the week where they just completely hit a wall, and stuff just starts crawling as far as getting new views. Um, last week, the last couple of weeks, that was coming like Tuesday during the day. Um, they haven't. They're almost there now, but they haven't hit the wall yet. I mean, so this has been a good week, and especially compared to the last couple of weeks. And uh the biggest hit right now is Edge, out of everything. And then, yeah, because that that's way out ahead of everybody else right now. Um, so Edge matters, people. Um, like every big thing that involved every time that the Judgment Day has actually hit a big spike. Has been something involving Edge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, he's kind of the juice really to that storyline. And I think you know, and you know, we've talked about how at times they felt seem kind of flat. Um he, he's the juice to that whole thing, really. And it's it's you know showing up again here. And he has one of the most viewed highlight views from SummerSlam. His coming back is like two point two million views.
1: Yeah,
0: that's really uh, good.
2: Yeah, and I guess it's the most viewed out of all the highlight clips from Summerslam. Him coming back,
1: cool. Um, all I'll say about the Judgment Day is Dominic Mysterio doesn't deserve it.
0: No, no, it's, no. It's, And no. if Rhea Ripley's looking for somebody to put in a head scissors on, you know, I, I can free yeah, up some time. Can, I I can free up. You can dust up the dust off the working boots. I can dust off the working boots, pal. I'll take <laughs> one for the team. There you go. I, I'm here for it. So we're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, you guys know me. Anything anything for the podcast, pal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, one last little piece of business here, and then we're going to call the go-home spot. Uh, Rob, I think, if I'm not mistaken, of the three of us, is the only one who paid for Ric Flair's last match. I refuse to acknowledge anything other than I love you, I'm sorry, as Ric Flair's last match. However, the card itself bought Rob... It, it, it sold Rob's, and Rob bought in. Uh, Rob, give us a few. Let me give you a couple more minutes here. Tell me what you thought about the show.
2: Okay, so as an overall show, it was very good. Uh, now, the match that really got me to buy the show was it was a match for the Impact World titles, Josh Alexander and Jacob Fatu from MLW. And they had, I think they made, they went about maybe 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, but in that 10 or 12 minutes, they hit everything. Um And Jacob Fatu um, You gotta watch him that, that guy at his size The stuff he can do jumping off the ropes And everything is just Outstanding Hunter please Find a way
0: to liberate that man From MLW um, I need to go back and watch Some more the only thing I watched with him Was that one match they were advertising With him and Hammerstone a few months back
2: Yeah awesome. and- and, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he is outstanding and Josh and Josh Alexander is like basically Kurt Angle with no personality. Yeah. If he had a personality, he would be huge and cause he's excellent. And so that matches what sold me on the card. Um, and I gotta say, look, um, they hit all the nostalgia notes for this show they had the, the they had a set made up like the old TBS studio from Saturday nights at 605 the commentary team was david crockett and tony schiavone um they had bob Cotto do like the introduction the little at to the show um i mean they hit all of the notes from if you were if you used to watch the old 605 show on saturday they hit they hit all of the notes for that um they had you know several tribute videos people you know for rick like sting and ddp and uh, a bunch of other people undertaker was there Bret hart and Mick foley were all there um and there were some other good matches um you know ricky morton and his son i think carrie morton and with with robert gibson at ringside took on Arn Anderson's kid and Brian Pillman Jr. with Arn at ringside. And so look, anytime you get some any type of callback to the Rock and Roll Express and the Horsemen, you gotta, you gotta enjoy that. Um and it was it was a nice little match for what it was. And you know they had some other good matches. But for me, the star of the night was Mr. Jeff Jarrett.
0: The grab yeah. the the bad grab king. Oh my God. Like the
2: the the, the <laughs> The video of his entrance is just worth it's worth watching. I mean, he went full old school Southern heel, just jawing with people in the crowd. Somebody like was trying to throw a drink at him, and he threw it back at him. And I mean, and he was just getting in people's faces. Somebody people people looked like they are ready to jump the barricade to get at him. I mean, this was straight out of old school Memphis wrestling. <laughs> um, but yeah, his—I mean—the his entrance video is is worth watching all by itself, and yeah. I mean, like Jeff Jarrett, it might be the star of the weekend because he was the special referee on Saturday, right? Um, He's the tag the best, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I never thought that yeah you know, I would have this much respect for Jeff Jarrett because I never thought much of him back in the '90s. But
0: that's me. I never cared. Jeff Jarrett never sold me a ticket
2: but he in his later years he has become just like a master at doing the old Memphis Southern Heel act and it is just outstanding to watch him do it and he and he did it more he also did it during the match and honestly you know the the stars of the match were him and Andrade uh, because, I mean, Andrade did most of the work for <laughs> and Rick, of
1: course.
2: <laughs> um, that match went entirely too long. It matched with 27 minutes. Jesus. And, yeah, I don't know what the hell they were thinking there. Oh,
1: my God. How um, did
0: Rick look? Was, is it sad? Like, like, if this ever comes out as like a DVD or a nah. Blu-ray, I might buy it. A- am mm. I going to be sad? Well, uh, I
2: look at it this way. Okay. He did not belong in there, obviously. Okay. But... Yeah. At the same time, look, they they wrote him the perfect fairy tale ending in WWE, of course. But when the show was over, the man behind the character was broke, so he had to go back to work. So ultimately, you know that thing in TNA is he didn't want to go out like that. Um, he didn't want it to end that way, and he didn't get a chance to end it a different way until this past weekend. Yeah. No, he did not look good, but I can understand somebody wanting to write their final chapter themselves, and yeah. even if it doesn't look that good, I understand, because, um, you know, I mean, I was watching that, and, you know, and you're thinking, well, well why are you doing this, man? Because now, look, he, because now, I mean, he's making money now, right? He's not broke now. <laughs> Right. Right. Um, you know, back, you know, when he had to go to TNA, he was broke. He's not broke now. Um, but, and you know, I'm thinking like, dude, why you, why did you do this? And, you know, I thought a little bit about my dad and cause my dad got forced to retire from the coast guard before he wanted to retire. And he did not get to write his own ending and Mm. it bothered him for a while. It really did. And the other thing was that whenever he did have a chance to put the uniform back on at some ceremony or something, he did. Even though, look, a lot of his buddies that came in with him and retired around the same time, they weren't doing it because they'd got, you know, their careers ended in a satisfactory way to them. His did not. Um. So whenever he got a chance to put the uniform back on, he did it, even if it wasn't necessary. Um. So I understand wanting to write the final chapter yourself
1: Mm.
2: no matter what it looks like to the rest of us yeah i understand wanting to do that uh i understand you know and again no he should not have been in there and you know he i think you know putting all of his children not just charlotte putting all of his children through the ordeal of you know going all through this with him for the past couple of months and all um yeah, you know, I don't think that was the best thing in the world to do, but just from a human standpoint, I understand the motivation uh, I understand why uh it'd been better if he did hadn't done it, but he did, and he wanted to go out his way, and yeah, so you know no, we don't think it was I don't think it was a good idea, no, but
0: um you can respect the motivation of it
2: yeah and I, yeah so that i mean so from that standpoint I, yeah i get it i get why he wanted to do it don't think he should have done it but i understand why
0: okay yeah like i said at some point if it's ever offered as like a dvd or something like that i'll buy it and make it part of my collection just because if nothing else i'll pop for the old school you know 605 saturday night wrestling feel because Jason, that was appointment television right there, man. Like, if you know, you know. 605, yeah. the world stopped for two hours. And it was you were in the studio with the pals watching the show for two hours. It was awesome. That was that was my bonding time with my dad. That's how I got into pro wrestling. I think Rob was, you know, fairly similar in that respect. Um, yeah, absolutely. I if nothing else, I would get it for just for that.
2: Yeah, and um, just, you know, again, uh, again, that they hit all the right notes on that show. Uh, and and look, that and, I mean, I saw some people <coughs> tweeting about it, you know, who even said that, you know, um, you know, I grew that they grew up watching that same show, and to them, it was it, it was a cool thing for them to see. Um, and then You know, then Tony Giovanni talked to Rick after the match, and then, you know, then, uh, again, no, no, it's not how you would, it's not how you want to see him, but they hit all the nostalgia notes, he made it through, he didn't die,
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, um, which means he'll probably try to do it again, because I'm convinced
1: he wants to die in the ring.
2: Um, let's hope not. Jeez. I mean, let, let, let's hope not. I mean, it's,
1: no. yeah. Let, let if, let's. No, if he does it again, I think his kids will throw their bodies in front of that and be like, no, no, no. old man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Charlotte yeah. will trip him up on the way in the door.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, cause well, there was a thing in sports illustrated. Like he, he wanted to dive off the top rope and she told him no.
0: Hell no. <laughs>
2: it's like, no, you're not. Are you crazy? That. God. Um, no. but, <laughs> um, it, it was a good show. Um, and again, don't, Rick, don't, don't do this again. Um, don't. This was, I mean, because you're not going to get better than. No. I mean, so don't do this again. This show was good for what it was a good show, and every, you know it was good for what it was. Uh, again, Jeff Jarrett alone was worth the price of admission, and I never, <laughs> again, never thought I would ever be saying that about Jeff Jarrett. Okay, but. Yeah. I mean, he was a joy to watch during that whole thing.
0: Good deal. All right. Well, I think we can call the go-home spot there. Gentlemen, another awesome show tonight. I had a good time. Yeah, it's a good time, fellas.
2: Yes, yeah, I am. All here.
0: right. We are going to wrap back around the room here. I'm going to thank my co-host, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Sir, great show.
1: Great having you on, man. Yes. And, uh, you know, cheers to... 703 no 702 days of universal championshipness of our tribal chief yes uh here's to 702 ish more and bruno we're coming so all right and from the rob
0: the genius podcast the minister of truth mr rob again sir always a pleasure
2: Uh, pleasure is all mine and thank you once again
0: yes sir and again, I am your host, DJ. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on the Chairshot Radio Network. Remember to always use your head. I don't care if you call it sports entertainment. I didn't call it. Boy, I screwed up my own outro. My God.
1: <laughs> what the hell?
0: I don't. You know what? Screw it. I'm not even going to go with it tonight. Now I'm mad.